my advice is find that person that has already achieved what you want to achieve and copy them exactly. And you, you, know, you may have to pay this person or you may have to bring them in as a partner on the deal. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's to, to, to partner with somebody on a deal and give away some equity in exchange for learning the ropes is one of the best deals that you can make. So I would say whatever it is you're trying to do, whether it's get into multifamily or leave your corporate job or lose a certain amount of weight or whatever it is, find somebody that's already done it and copy them. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, as you know, it is my job to explore, dissect, and interview the cream of the crop when it comes to real estate investing, business, and entrepreneurship here in the U.S. so you can all make the right investing decisions to create massive amounts of cash flow, number one, but to lead to financial freedom and hopefully long-term wealth. As you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners and there's no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. But being knowledgeable means you have to just, you know, it's just being a fence sitter. So be educated first and foremost, listen to my podcast, but you also got to go out and take massive amounts of action and hopefully my cracking guests will inspire you to do so. If you do like this show, please give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching Reed Goosens. Finally, uh, if you can also find this show, obviously wherever you, po wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Citra and Google Play, but we're also now up on YouTube. You can see the recordings of each and every episode. Uh, just head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the YouTube link and it'll take you straight to the recordings of these show. You can see my ugly mug, but you can see the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Devin Elder. Devin is a multifamily syndicator focused exclusively on Central Texas market since 2012. In that time, he's completed over 100 real estate investment projects to date and in the process raised millions of dollars from private investors. He's also been very, very successful in creating a transition from single family flipping business to into multifamily syndication. But enough out of me, let's get him out here. G'day, Devin. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me. How are you? Mate, I am doing very well. Now I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Mate, before we dive into the nuts and bolts of today's show, I'm going to ask you a bit of a doozy question. I always ask my, my, my guests this question, and it's, uh, it's more of a philosophical question, but who is Devin Elder? Yeah, so I was born and raised in, in Texas, where I reside today. I'm a father. I've been married for nine years. I've got three kids. So that tells you a lot about what a lot of my day looks like right there. Um, and I've been an entrepreneur for a number of years. And I think fundamentally, I'm in this business because I, I could never find my place in the corporate world. I tried for many, many years. And uh, I always felt like I was banging my head against a wall working at different companies and always looking for something that I never found until uh, I stepped out into, into entrepreneurship. Real estate just happens to be the vehicle. I think maybe I could have found entrepreneurial success and happiness in another, um, 
in another venue or another uh, another vehicle, but it just happened to be real estate for me. So that's uh, I think I'm just us we entrepreneurs. I think we're a special kind of uh, person. It takes a special kind of crazy to do this, and um, I really just wasn't happy in my career for a lot of years until I until I found you know the challenge and the upside of of being an entrepreneur. So that's that's where I'm at today. Mate, that's that's incredible. I, mean, I want to touch a little bit more on that in in a little bit, but let's rewind the clock. What was your well? When did you make your first dollar? What was your first entrepreneurial experience as a kid? I think it was me and a good uh, longtime friend of mine, who, and we're still good friends today, uh, trying to mow lawns in his neighborhood, and so yep. that was kind of the first stab at it. I think it was. Twenty dollars for for the lawn at the time, and um, you know we'd go up there and knock on doors and use his dad's lawnmower, and that, I think that was the first the first uh, entrepreneurial dollar earned there. <laughs> I love it, mate. I think that's incredible. In, I take it in the summers, right? Or all year oh, round? Oh yeah, Texas. that's right. Summers in Texas, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, let's walk through your journey. You said that you had a career prior to real estate investing. Let's talk a little bit about that. What, what did you do? And then what was that moment where you said, I need to get out of this. I need to do something more with my life. Yeah, so I've been in um, technology and the cloud computing space um, since, uh, well, for a lot of years. And so I, I held some sales and management roles in a couple of companies in that space. And um, I, I think it started out good enough. And I, I you know, I've always, I've been working since I was 16, whether it was busing tables or, or bartending or, you know, I've, I've always had jobs. I've always had multiple jobs. So I've always worked hard, but in the corporate world, um, the name of the game is just to, to try and get a promotion and make more money. And every time I did that, I found myself with less time and, and more stress. And so inherently, I kind of started to realize that that didn't scare, scale very well. And I also in the corporate world, I never had any heroes in the corporate world. I never had anybody that I looked at and said, I really want to be that guy in 10 years. Because the guys that were making good money were just crazy stressed out, no free time. Um, at the same time, I've got an older brother who's an entrepreneur who's exploring these, you know, these different concepts of of having free time, and it was just very appealing to me. The big turning point for me was getting let go from a from a management position that I had through a corporate restructure, and that was a big wake up call. And I was acting as if um, that was something that only happened to other people. Of course, any plenty of people have been laid off, and it happens all the time. But in my mind, you know, I was kind of invincible to that 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 kind of an event. So that was a big wake up call for me. And thankfully, at the time, I had just started investing in single family real estate. And uh, I made the decision right then and there that this is going to be my new career. And it took a couple of years of doing the investing and the corporate job in parallel um, before I was able to move to full time. But it's very cliche, but I would say getting let go from that job where I was really pouring my heart and soul into was the turning point for me. Um, and I, looking back, I'm extremely glad that that happened because I've got a lot of friends and you probably do too, who are very comfortable in their corporate career where they make a great salary and they've got health insurance and they couldn't ever imagine leaving that, especially when they've attained a certain lifestyle or they've got a family to support. And I think making that jump from corporate world to being a full-time entrepreneur is, uh, gets more difficult the more money you make in the corporate world, it gets harder and harder to replace your income. So I was fortunate, I think, to have a wake up call early enough in my life that, that I was, uh, felt like I had to make that transition. 
That's, that's incredible because that is exactly what people, it's that wake up call. It's that, that, that moment of like, okay, holy crap. You know, my, 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 my income is essentially now gone. What am I going to do? I'm now relying upon this job. And I think it sounds like you've got some real clarity around what it meant to earn money, right? You, you said, okay, I'm not just going to be relying upon this job for the next 20 or 40 years of my life because I may not have one, right? And then a lot of people get into that cycle of, oh, I'm just going to keep going and I'm nine to five and blah, blah, blah. And, and they get very focused with the blinkers on about not looking at there's an outside world. So, so well done to, right. to you, you know, taking first and foremost that step. I could imagine it was a pretty scary process and mentally to go through to just to, just to, oh no, I'm not going to have my six figure job anymore with my healthcare for my kids. And, you know, so talk to me a little bit about that step and how you overcame it to try and, you know, and become who you are today. Yeah, that's a great point. It was definitely, I think the most terrifying thing I've ever done. Um, But I I didn't do it cold Turkey. I mean, I, I made the decision and then it was about two and a half years of extremely diligent, hard work setting up my systems. And really my trigger was I needed passive income that paid all my bills. Mm -hmm. So it took me two and a half years to to build that up. I wasn't going to leave a corporate job and go try to make it. I think that's a recipe for failure. You know, people ask me, when should I quit my job? And I mean, I'm a big advocate of people quitting their job, but hang on, you know, in my experience, hang on as long as you can get all your financial ducks in a row, uh, get savings, get access to lines of credit, key all that stuff up, build your network, and most importantly, have, I think, have passive income so that your bills are paid. Um, and that, that, that to me was a criteria for being able to leave a job. So I just bought a ton of single family houses uh, over a period of two and a half years, built that portfolio where it paid all my expenses. Now, I, it wasn't three or four times my expenses. You know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't at that level at that point, but it was enough for me to say, I remember very clearly thinking in a, this really dull corporate job I had where I was literally sitting in a cubicle. I promised myself it would be the last corporate job I had. I said, um, it got to a point where it's very obvious that it was costing me quite a bit more to have to show up to work every day and the opportunity cost of that, not being able to go out and invest in more real estate. It just became an obvious choice that I had my passive income baseline, I call it like a base salary. And now I needed to make the jump so that I could have free up my time to be able to go pursue more real estate. And so I think there just be, for me, it came to a point where it, it was uh, obvious that I was wasting my time, even with a nice six figure job and everything, it was still consuming 40, 50 hours of my week. And that just became unacceptable from an ROI perspective. I think that's that's great, and I could imagine developing, you know, your portfolio probably at the beginning of that two and a half years. Some of that, as you just said, you're probably losing money at some points, even in that developing that portfolio because you're too consumed with your day job, right? I, I'm sure everyone goes through that. Everyone does go through that. Oh, I'm like sitting here from nine to five, and I can't take this call because I've got something else to do. Um, right. So you, you hit a little bit on which I think was great to have your financial ducks in a row, and sometimes for people out there listening um, and there's, there's different ways of getting to that financial freedom. And sometimes if it's, it's a, if it's a time balance in my experience, ask your boss if you can go from a, to a consulting role for six to 12 months, Absolutely. you know, you know, cut down, maybe only doing 30 hours a week. It's still got a little bit of income coming in, but it still allows you to get out there and hit the pavement and, 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 and do some, some fantastic stuff with in example, building a portfolio. So Devin, talk to me yep. a little bit about how you, you built that portfolio 
Now you got to financial freedom and you said you probably, you just sort of, you're just making parity, right? You're just paying your expenses, but there's nothing, you know, you're not, you're not going on extravagant holidays yet. <laughs> so talk to me about how you then built a, a, a successful house flipping business um, and, 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 and the systems around that, because that's, I, I really like that about what you do. Right. So the, the way I got my start was in single family rental real estate and I love it. It's maybe not the sexiest, um, of the real estate avenues to pursue. But if you string enough houses together that are producing four or $500 a month in cash flow, and you look at your depreciation and your tax advantage, and you look at your, your principal pay down and, and the equity position that you have, all these things, um, and you string a bunch of them together, it gets to be a pretty powerful tool. But once I developed that and developed the confidence to kind of go through these projects where I was raising capital, renovating houses and, and refinancing them as rentals, uh, I started branching out into flipping houses, which I, I don't think is a beginner strategy at all. I, I, I don't recommend people jump directly into flipping houses because you've really got to, I call it, you got to stick the landing. You know, you're going to do some crazy acrobatics and you've really got to land it because a lot of things can go wrong flipping houses. But once I'd gone through the process quite a few times on the rental side, I decided, well, instead of just refinancing these and holding them, I could probably start um, flipping them. So I did do that. And the, the paychecks were, were much bigger chunks of money, even though I was, um, giving up some of the nice things about rentals in terms of cash flow and things like that. It just, that was the point that it became obvious to me once I'd done a few of those and seen 30 or $40,000 net profits on a project that I said, well, you know, it, it only takes a handful of these in a year to completely replace my corporate salary. I've already got my baseline, um, my base salary paid off rental income. Um, so I started developing a system and you know, it, it consists kind of kind of three three uh, pillars, right? It's it's money, the team, and the deals. And so I worked uh, to create some relationships with wholesalers, where I can have the deal flow coming in. And then um, I've got relationships with a couple of contractors that have been through dozens and dozens and dozens of projects with me. So I had the deals and the um, the people or the team to, to execute the project. And then uh, I had started out using hard money, but I, I met some individuals that wanted to put some cash to work. And instead of paying the hard money rates, I would pay a little bit less and it would go straight to an individual. So we just go to the attorney and they draw up the loan documents and we do, you know, 10% interest in two points or something like that. And it was much easier to work with a private individual. It was a little bit cheaper for me. It was a great return for them. And once I started down that road, um, I started raising more and more capital for those projects. So it was, it was good wholesalers, a good market. I'm in San Antonio, Texas. I think it's a great market for flipping houses. Um, so good relationships with wholesalers for deal flow, good relationships with contractors and subs to get the deal done, and then um, a good source of capital to, to fund these deals. So once I had those three things in place, I really just started to um, acquire as many houses as I could as I could manage and start to build that piece out. And, and um, that's, been, that's been a great revenue generator, although I do see it as kind of a um, not a forever type thing but it's been a fantastic revenue generator and it's a, it's a good business model i've enjoyed uh, a lot of things i talk about on this show is is the cash flow 
pyramid. You think of, you know, the, the food pyramid, right? Mm. You've got all the good foods on the right. bottom and you, you go up, there's less good foods in the top. I, I, I've got a similar analogy um, about the, the, the cash flow pyramid, I call it. And what you've done, what you've described is exactly that. You started with a base, a foundation of cash flow, and you shoved as many properties as you can, whether it be multifamily, single family, commercial, whatever. You're just shoving them in there to replace that income. But then that allowed you to free up your time to go into the next level up, which is like flipping. It's a little higher risk. Um, but it's higher up the food chain. You don't do all of it. You might do some of it. Your portfolio may have some uh, flipping in it, but it was a natural progression, which, which I think is really, really important for everyone listening out there. You were already doing the, acquiring these houses, you know, refinancing them, uh, holding them. Why not just have that natural progression of flipping them? So I think that's a very great way of, of visualizing how you've gone from one, well, you know, uh, from the base, creating that great base to the next level up. And then obviously the, the third level up is, is, is ground up construction, which is the highest risk, <laughs> but you know, so for, right. for another show. Um, so how many properties did you acquire over this, over this time period, you know, over like, since 2012 to, to, to get you to that financial freedom and then obviously to create more of an income and a lifestyle around what you do? Yeah, I think, you know, to get out of the corporate job, I think it was at about 22 units, which, um, was a, was a small multifamily and some single family. And that was at a point where I felt good, you know, replacing my six figure income off of that, in, off of that income. Uh, and then the flips, I mean, I have to go to my spreadsheet. I'm, literally it's in my accounting software and there are just project Ooh. after project after project. After pro I mean, there's just dozens and dozens and dozens of them. So, and there's some wholesale deals and some rental deals in there too. So honestly, I've lost count of the flips. Um, it, you know, today, right now, I actually brought on a partner to help manage the day to day of the flip so I can focus more on multifamily, but we're still buying three, four, five houses a month for the flip wow. business. Great. That's, that's incredible. And it's like everything, you seem very methodical in, in your approach about, you know, jumping from one ship to another, you, you, you're in corporate ship, you got your little bit of cash flow happening, then you made the jump, you're, 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 you're buying and, and holding, um, got them under belt, under contract, under, under belt then made the jump to flipping. Now you're in flipping. You still haven't left that completely because it's still still a great little income for you. you, you you're transitioning into multifamily. So I think you've done a very, that, that process has been very, very methodical. So, so well done. Um, I want to focus now a little bit on that transition from, you know, we have corporate, uh, single family buy and holds, single family flipping. Now single, uh, they're now into multifamily. So it sounds, or you tell me, you tell the audience how you made that successful transition and what was, the turning point for you uh, in your portfolio to say, I need to get into large multifamily. Yeah, that's a great point. I've had my eye on multifamily um, for many, many years. And that's basically because of some of the relationships I have with folks that own a lot of multifamily and folks that I've been friends with for a lot of years. And I've seen their ability to grow and scale in that business in a way that um, is frankly just either impossible or extremely undesirable to, to scale a flip business or even a single family rental business. I mean, I never, ever wanted to be the guy that owned 150 rental houses. Um, you know, I just saw something come across my desk today that a friend sent me as a, a portfolio of 37 single family houses being sold. <laughs> I mean, the logistics of, of <laughs> selling all that, it just makes my head spin. So I don't want to grow the flip business or the single family rental business any more than I already have because it, it just doesn't scale well. On the multifamily side, I mean, it's, it's really what I would call a parallel track. I mean, a lot of people I talk to 
assume that I, I got, gained a lot of important skill sets in multi in single family that translate to multifamily. And there is some stuff that translates, but I think of them really as two completely different tracks. I mean, there's a completely different um, nomenclature. There's there's a different um, they're evaluated differently. There's different uh, players involved. It's it's a much it's a much different game. So even though they're both rental real estate, I think of them completely differently. But to answer your question, it was it was because I'd seen other people go before me, and I'd seen the kind of returns that that they were producing, and um, it's all the things that I like about a single family rental in terms of uh, getting depreciation, getting tax advantages, getting your tenant to pay down your notes, uh, things like that, but just on a much larger scale, and then also just the sheer the sheer dollar amount, right? You're playing with much bigger numbers, much bigger cash flow, much much. Uh, much more money coming in. And then finally the ability to scale, you know, I mean, it, it, to, to have, to, to get to a point where 500 units of multifamily or a thousand units of multifamily is, is not an impossible feat by, by any means. Whereas, uh, you know, to try to do something like that with single family, it just doesn't scale. So I've had my eye on it for a long time and it was really just going through the process of, you know, buying a multifamily project myself and making sure that I could run everything and, have it make money before I brought on investors. And so I did that and um, sold that property for a 2.4 X multiple in about 25 months. And then once I'd done that, I said, okay, it's time for me to go raise some capital now because I'd proven to myself that, um, that I could do it, that the model worked and everything like that. And so that was kind of my, my segue is I wanted to go do a small deal myself first, make sure that all the stuff that I'd been studying uh, was, going to happen in the real world. And once I'd done that, it was really almost just giving myself permission to go raise capital because I was, to me, raising capital is a sacred thing where you're taking, you're not just taking people's money into a project. Money is somebody's stored life energy. And, and if somebody's giving you a hundred thousand dollars into a multifamily project, that could represent years of savings for them or, or years of hard work in that corporate job that we talked about. It's not just, it's not just a check. It's, it's their stored life energy. And so for me, I, I treat that extremely uh, uh, as a sacred thing. And I wanted to prove to myself first with my own money that I could go do these multifamily deals and have them make money. And then once I'd done that, um, became more, more comfortable with, with raising capital and going out and doing a deal on my own. It's really, it's, it's a great point you bring up because in my mind, I think it sounded like you were already doing it a little bit on the, on the flipping business. And I'm sure right. just from a mental point of view, you had to say, okay, I got to go do this deal by myself to prove it. But I'm sure when you did your first flip, you had to sort of prove it yourself as well, as well, right? Before you brought on investors, because it's the same thing. It's like, well, hang on this, you know, this, this flip at 10%, even though they're in first position, they couldn't take back the, the property if it went, if it went south. But you know, it could also, a number of other things could happen. You know, a tornado could take it down and their money is right. still at risk. So I'm sure there was a, a mental pressure on you back then like there was or is now when you're in multifamily. Is that, would that be correct? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, there's, there's, there's risks involved with anything. You mitigate it in a lot of ways. You mitigate it by conservative underwriting, solid insurance. And, you know, there's lots of other ways to mitigate it, but um Really, it was just a, a process of going through and doing it because I tend to think of things that, you know, you got this coin and on one side is your education side and your other side is massive action. You have to have both. You can't go take massive action without uh, an, an education foundation. That would be a recipe for disaster. But then you see a lot of people, and I'm sure you know a lot of people that 
that are uh, highly educated. They've read all the books and listen to all the podcasts and they don't own any real estate. So <laughs> you've you got to do both. And I think uh, for me, I've, I've always wanted to prove the model to myself first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these days I don't think anything about asking somebody for $150,000 for six months to flip a house. I mean, it's like, Stop. it's just second nature. So, but that's come through, that's come through experience and through doing, through repetition and through having these projects be successful. Yep. No, that's, I, and again, it's repetition, right? So the more multifamily you do, it's not going to be as the, the dollar figure of the check is now irrelevant, right? So it's, it becomes whether it's a hundred thousand dollars or a half a million dollars or a million dollar check. It's all relative to the right. size of the deal you're doing. Uh, talk to me about that first deal that you did, uh, the two X multiply in 25 months. That sounds incredible. What did, what was it? Just quickly go through high level numbers uh, so we can, you know, the audience can get an understanding of that transition and how did you find it? Yeah, I found it through a broker friend of mine. It was just a, little, a small apartment complex, not a, not in a great part of town, not a terrible part of town, but the rents were pretty low, and I it didn't support a manager, so I was the manager. So I went in and did all the leasing. I did. I was the accountant. I I was, uh, you know, we didn't have a maintenance person, so I would I kind of. Uh, uh, promoted one of the tenants to <laughs> kind of run the day-to-day the -day in terms of cleaning up the property and uh, collecting rent for me and things like that. So I kind of delegated to, an, you know, on a smaller property where you can't support staff, that's kind of what you do or you hope to do is find somebody on site that can be your eyes and ears and do some of the things for you so that you're not having to be there all the time. So um, took that over and basically I had um, $40,000 of my own money in to close a deal. I used a bank, a, a small local bank that, um, that I'd done a lot of single family projects with. <clears throat> and I went in and just uh, took the rents. We're at five and a quarter, went in and spent a little bit of money cleaning up the, the, the project, the, uh, you know, the interior of the unit didn't really do much to the outside, uh, and started getting six and a quarter rents. So bumped the rents a hundred dollars. And then over a period of months, um, cycled through, just about all the tenants where most of those rents were at that, that higher amount. And then um, at one point it just got to point where I'm looking at the financials after owning it uh, just a little over two years and, and said, okay, I think financials make sense here to try and put it on the market. And so I listed it and um, between the cash flow that the, pro you know, the property is producing cash flow from day one for the entire life of the project, which is nice. So between the cash flow and the equity capture on the back end, um, you know, it was two point, 2.4 of my uh, times my initial investment on that property. So it's definitely smaller numbers in terms of multifamily, but um, it gave me a lot of that real world experience. You know, I mean, um, dealing with an eviction from somebody with a crazy drug problem or something like that. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about the numbers and the great returns, but the reality is, you know, if you've got rents that are sub $700 in my market, you got, uh, you got kind of a rough crowd. So it was kind of my real world, uh, jump into the fire and figure this thing out on my own. And I'm extremely grateful for having that experience. Now I'm also extremely grateful to work with great property managers or professional property management companies, because I've seen you know, I've seen what it looks like and I've been through that and I'm not just some aloof owner that doesn't understand the mechanics of it. Right. No, and, and that's, that's incredible that you, you went and did your, it sounds like you did everything soup to nuts of purchase, yeah. reno, manage, sell, right? It was just this whole, whole one, one, uh, A to Z. How many units was, was it? Yeah. Six, six units. And 
Nice, man. So tell me a little bit more about the transition. And I think you, you, you've done your six units. You want to get into more of the larger stuff. Um, what has been the, the, the biggest learning curve for you to date to help you, you, you get into that, that transition uh, into larger multifamily? Right. I think it was just an opportunity to, to find the right property that made sense. Um, earlier this year, I purchased a 75-unit apartment complex, deep, deep value add. I mean, this place is a complete disaster. But <clears throat> again, I've got construction experience. I've got experience dealing with uh, problem tenants. You know, I've, I've kind of seen a lot at this point and done a lot of things with my own two hands. So felt confident to go in and buy this property. And so um, that was kind of the next the next step and that's what i've been working on this year uh so it was really just a, a matter of finding the right property i think you know if you talk about the deals the team and the money i think that the deals right now are probably the the, the difficult thing to find i think there's there's capital chasing deals right now i think sometimes in this market where i'm at uh people are overpaying for deals to hot market um i've got quite a bench of, of crews and, and everything to take. So I've got the teams to take care of it. I've got the capital to put into these deals or raise, raise capital for these deals, but it's just a matter of finding it. So I think this one, the 75 unit this year was just a finding a deal that, um, that made sense and was, was a heavy value add that we could um, uh, basically turn around quickly and realize a, a strong return for our, for our investment partners. It, it nearly sounds like the six unit, but, at 70 units, right? It was a, it's a deep value add. You, you're going to get in there with 18 to 24 months and then, and then be out of it, I take it. Yeah, that's right. That's the plan anyway. I mean, we'll see what happens when, um, when we've got this thing leased up and, and it's stabilized, maybe a refi and hold on to it for, for a few years makes sense. You know, I mean, you kind of evaluate those things as they, um, as they come up. But the, the game plan and the business plan from the beginning was to treat it more like a flip. Nice, nice, man. Well, I, I, I commend you for all your incredible work that you've done today, you know, just making those transitions from, from one step to the next step to the other step. And, and I think it's really, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm visualizing like you've got your target at one end, but you've got all these little stepping stones along the way to get to that target mm -hmm. of financial freedom, freeing up your time, spending more time with your family, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, but you've, you've methodically gone from one step to another, to another, to another, and slowly built towards this, this goal here. And have, did you, did you set out at the beginning to have it done in a certain amount of time frame, or was it just naturally as it, as it came about and, it, you know, organically occurred? Yeah, I've, I've had targets. I mean, I, I've, uh, I had a net worth target to hit, you know, by the time I'm, I was 40, I'm 39 and I've hit that target. I feel really good about that. Boom. And, and that's been through real estate. I mean, it's 100% been through real estate. So there was that. And then uh, I've also got a target to uh, own a thousand units of multifamily. But really my, so, so I, think, I think goals and targets are helpful, but I think people spend way too much time on them. I think, I think a target is a great way to set the course. So I say, okay, thousand units of multifamily or this much net worth, Okay, that's the target. Now we can forget about it and focus on what is the system that's going to deliver that. And so that's what I've done with my, my rental business, my flip business, my multifamily business. Forget about the goal. What's the system? And it's, it's like a weight loss goal, right? Somebody's overweight. They want to lose 40 pounds. The goal is great. But if they're not out there walking every morning and, and changing their diet every single day and doing the hard work, the goal doesn't matter at all. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're focusing on the systems, every day 
uh, and you're super committed to the systems, the goals will automatically take care of themselves. So I do have goals. I'd like to get to a thousand units of multifamily, but more so I'm focused every day on what relationships do I need to have? What systems do I need to improve? What do I need to execute on today? What is the framework or the system that's going to automatically take me to, to those goals? So, um, so that's what I'm focused on now. You know, it's, it's systems, it's, um, it's balancing the, the flipping business with more multifamily acquisitions and creating um, really, I, I guess, aside from all the money, my end, not my end goal, but my daily goal is just to be engaged. I don't want to quite say have fun because not everything in the business is, is all fun all the time. But frankly, there's nothing I'd rather be doing with my life than going out and pursuing this. It is the most engaging, fulfilling thing for me. So as long as I can structure my day so that I'm enjoying myself and, and engaged and really digging into things that, that make me happy. And I think that's back to that entrepreneur kind of mentality that I've, I've got to be growing in order to be happy. I've got to be challenging myself. And this business has given me all of that. So as long as I'm engaged on a daily basis and I'm growing and I'm working on things I enjoy, then I don't think there ever is really like a, an end goal as long as I just keep, keep doing what I love and keep growing the business. I think that's incredible to, to talk about that systems, right? And it's not, it's, it's, it's systems, but it's also the daily habits, right? The daily habits of you, con right. you constantly, you're changing the way uh, you do things, you go about your life. If you, and you have that goal out there. I think a lot of people get very caught up on that goal and the time frame and the stress and the blah, blah, blah. And they get very chattery in their head. You know, your thousand unit goal, does it matter if you tell your grand grandchildren at 80 years old that your grand, that their granddad got to a thousand units at, at, at 39 or 41. Does that really matter? You know, as long as you had a good right. life in between, you, you want to be able to understand that you, you still got that, you still achieved the goal, but as you, you were methodically working on your systems to get to that goal, which is, I think, a really, really incredible piece of takeaway advice. Mate, what, is, what does the future hold for you right now? I know you said a thousand units, but both personally and professionally, and, and what markets are you looking to grow your portfolio in? Yeah, so so professionally, I want to continue to pursue multifamily acquisitions, um, you know, raising capital, asset management. I think those will look, you know, different on a deal by deal basis. Maybe I'm a partner in one deal. Maybe I'm the asset manager in another deal. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways you can structure that. And I enjoy structuring that in different ways. Um, so, and I love growing, you know, the network of people that I can can help get better returns. I love meeting new people and there's just, there's constantly new ideas uh, uh, coming together based off the people that I meet. So I just love being in the space with other entrepreneurs and meeting other entrepreneurs. Um, personal goal is just to spend the right amount of time with my kids. You know, I went through a period after I quit my corporate job where I was at home all the time and it was awesome, <laughs> but there's also, it's also a balancing act, you know? So, um, spending the right amount of time with my kids. And, and that is, uh, I, I kind of think of that in the, in the encapsulate that in the phrase that every day should be a good last day. You know, and if I were to die today when the day is over, I'm not ready to die. I mean, I, I feel like I've got another half of my life. I really want to maximize and, and live. But if I were to die today, would I have been happy with the outcome? And so, you know, whether that's taking my kids to school or, spending time with them one-on-one -on -one where the, the phone's off and out of the picture, you know, I want to kind of string together those good days where um, if, it, if it was the last day, I'm not going to have these massive regrets about not spending the time with my family.
family. So it's really, it's really business and family. So if I've got my family balance in place, that's a, a good check and I'm happy with that. And then if I'm doing the right things with the business, th- those are kind of the, the only things I want to do. I mean, I have some things I do for enjoyment, play golf or play guitar or whatever, but they, they're not like huge goals. It's really just family and business for me. It's pretty simple. Nice, man. I think that's, that's really, really important to have that balance because success with, you know, business success that comes at the cost of family success, that's not success, right? So uh, right. there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that we know, you know, the Elon Musks of the world have been very successful, but they've had, you know, personal and family issues, which I think is really, really important. So you've got to keep a very well-rounded um, goal on life and, and, and have all the goals, not just in the business sense and the investing sense, but also with the family and the personal aspirations and all that sort of great stuff. Um, mate, what right. is the biggest piece of advice that someone's listening to this show? They love your story. They want to take the next step. They want to take the step from corporate into, um, into, the, into investing, or they might want to take a step from single family into multi. What's the biggest or the best piece of advice you can give to them? I think it's pretty simple and it's to find a model. So all this stuff has been done, right? Single mm-hmm. family rentals, flips, multifamily. We're not creating new industries here. We're not Elon Musk building a rocket ship to Mars, right? <laughs> There's no model for those things, you know? So, and, and I, he's a, he's a huge hero of mine and it's great. And, and it's, it's uh, amazing to watch those companies, but I'm not in those companies. I'm in the business that is very old. The business models are established. So rather than try to be some innovator, I don't know why everybody thinks they've got to come up with some new idea. I think that's a completely flawed logic, especially in the space that we're in, in real mm-hmm. estate. Mm-hmm. My, my advice is find that person that has already achieved what you want to achieve and copy them exactly. And you, you know, you may have to pay this person or you may have to bring them in as a partner on the deal. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's to, to, to partner with somebody on a deal and give away some equity in exchange for learning the ropes is one of the best deals that you can make. So I would say whatever it is you're trying to do, whether it's get into multifamily or leave your corporate job or lose a certain amount of weight or whatever it is, find somebody that's already done it and copy them. And it not, it's not somebody that also wants to do it or that read a lot of books about it or that's thinking about doing it because most people are in that category. It's finding that few, maybe that one out of 100 person that's actually done it. And that person will have a very different worldview um, than the person that is thinking about doing it. So find the person that's done what you want to do and, and copy them exactly. I love it. Love it. Love all of that. Getting and surrounding yourself with people, like-minded people, and you're going to change the way in which you go about your life. Mate, I want to thank you so much for getting on the show. But before we do wrap up the show, because I want to be conscious of your time, is I always ask my guests to give me their top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Let's do it. All right, mate. What is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? I created a, uh, a spreadsheet that's a, this is for my flip business. So I created a spreadsheet that is a one page view of the entire business and all the key performance indicators that I have. So I can open my laptop, look at that. Things are color coded, whether it's days on market or, you know, note maturities or net profit or whatever the number is. And I can look at that in 10 seconds and, and tell the health of my business. So that's the business habit that I have is just spending looking at that every day, making sure that's updated and then taking any action that I need to, to course correct on anything that needs correcting. 
Nice, nice stuff. I have to, I think a lot of people need to do that as, as, as small entrepreneurs, they like to look at where the business is heading each and every day. And I think um, as, as solo entrepreneurs, a lot of people do that. And it's, it's fantastic to, to keep uh, abreast of what is going on in, your, in the day-to-day of, of each and every business. Mate, who's been the most influential person in your career to date? Even though I've got uh, a lot of real estate folks that have been so instrumental I would still have to say it's my older brother because he's been an entrepreneur forever. He's never had a job. Um, And that gave me a model. I talked about models earlier. And now he was in different spaces, right? He had karate schools and, you know, not not real estate stuff. Um, But I got to see that as a kid. And I got to, he's five years older than me. So I got to kind of be introduced to this idea of being an entrepreneur introduced to a lot of books and concepts that I wasn't getting anywhere else. I wasn't getting it from school. I wasn't getting it from friends. wasn't getting it from my parents, but I did have this guy in my life that was a real deal entrepreneur and being around that. Again, we talk about proximity and being around the right people, even though, you know, it's completely different businesses. That was a huge influence on me. And he still, he still is a big influence on me today. So that would be the number one uh, guy. His name Jesse Elder is my older brother. Nice, nice. Well, Jesse, if you're listening, you are Devin's bigger uh, and better uh, influence on his life. So, so awesome stuff. Hey, mate, who, what is the most influential tool in your real estate business right now? Well, tech is amazing, right? I mean, it, it's, it's hard to imagine doing this business 20 years ago. I just can't even <laughs> imagine if I couldn't text a contractor or a broker, you know, or whatever it is. But I would say the, the biggest tool for me is Google Docs. I mean, that platform is just tremendous. And the, the way that I can create spreadsheets, link them all together, have stuff populate off one spreadsheet from another spreadsheet, share parts of it with my team members. I mean, it's just a, it's just a phenomenal tool for running the business. And I rely on it um, heavily and to have everything, you know, I have a, I have a no paper rule in my office. So as soon as paper comes in, if it's a receipt or it's some kind of document scanned, you know, it's scanned, it's titled correctly and it's put in a Google docs. And if I need it three and a half years from now, I can show it to you in 10 seconds. And right. that's, that's been just instrumental and I, I, I love it and it's uh free right so right <laughs> even better to, to win <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> mate what's been your biggest failure in your career and and what did you learn from that that failure yeah so one of the more ambitious flip projects i took on pretty early on i'd done tons of rentals and i'd done a lot of flips but i went outside my own box i took on a huge project where we added a bunch of square footage the, pro- the property is in such bad shape. It was practically new construction. And the mistake I made was just relying on this contractor too much. The contractor turned out to be a bit of a con man. And, you know, I've since found out that he has done this to other investors where he kind of kind of lures them in. And, and uh, th- basically the takeaway was the scope of work and the budget was just, is just not accurate. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I probably should have just dumped that project. I, I ended up firing that contractor, but I had to come back in. And once I created my own budget for it, you know, it was much more of a, of a project. It took longer, went, went way over the original scope of work and budget. Um, and, you know, ended up selling it for a good amount of me. I bought the house at, at uh, 39,000 and sold it for 306,000, but there was a lot of rehab in there. It took way too long. Um, ended up not making the money that I wanted to on it. Um, but the the investors still got paid. We had I had a, a hard money lender on that, and you know they got paid, and and they were you know we, we never missed anything with them. Um, but it was just 
it was relying on somebody that I shouldn't have trusted and it was not getting the scope of work right. And I think those are two things in any real estate project that uh, can really spell trouble. So I, through that, became much more diligent in how I developed scopes of work, uh, much more diligent in who I trusted to be on my team. And um, I also developed kind of a, a, some modeled some software that, that allows me to take into account a lot of different things on, on these flip projects that allows me to forecast revenue a lot better. So I've, I've become more conservative and I've become more careful about who um, I take advice from and who I let on my team. No, that's, that's great. I, when you were explaining that story, I felt like I was looking into the mirror. I did, I did exactly the same thing. Yeah. Scope was way out of whack. The GC, it was out of state. It was a massive, you know, out of the third story. It was, it was a whole disaster. And again, scope and budget were out of whack. And, and if you, you know, I, I didn't lose my shirt, but I lost a little bit of money, but we had to fire the contract. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing as you went through it. It's uh, it was on a flip and lesson learned and uh, you move on and you, 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 you're there to survive another day and try and get your investors some return and then uh, move on to the next one. So it's a good stuff. That's it. Yep. Devin, now you've had such an incredible journey. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who want to reach out to you. Where can they reach you? Um, do you have any free um, eBooks or any sort of free little gadgets that you can share with them? Uh, and what's your website and email address? Yeah, so um, I do, I have a couple of different reports that I can share mostly around private lending and how that process works, how I take care of my lenders and pay them great returns. So I'm happy to send that to anybody. The best website is probably um, probably my company website, which is djetexas.com. My company is uh, DJE Texas Management Group, which is actually not my initials. Those are my children's initials. Uh, I don't have a middle a middle J in my name, but uh, if you go to DJE Texas, uh, you'll see my company and you'll have an opportunity to contact me. Uh, my contact information is on there as well, but if anybody wants to send me an email, it's devin.elder, that's D-E-V-I-N dot E-L-D-E-R at D-J-E Texas.com. That would be the best way to reach out. Awesome, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on today's show. Just to quickly summarize some of the things that I took away, I think the methodical way in which you went from, from one stepping stone to the next on, on track towards your target, I think that was really, really important. Making sure you weren't over, you know, overreaching uh, and you're comfortable with taking that next step. But also in saying that you had surrounded yourself with people who, who were could educate you and as you said you got educated but you went, went out and took massive amounts of action which is really important um, but you did it in a methodical way uh, which helped you grow to to from from single family uh, cash flowing investor to now a multi-family uh, syndicator which is freaking fantastic in my mind um, and I also want to talk a little bit about the, the systems in which you set up and, and how the advice that you gave to people that if you're gonna if you're gonna go out and do this you know well you have to change the way you do your systems each and every day to get up and do something different towards that goal each and every day um, did I leave anything out I think those are the highlights there's there's plenty more in there but that, that's great great recap I love it well mate I want to thank you so much for dropping by enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon Excellent read. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed full of some awesome investing advice and actionable steps. There were some great takeaway golden nuggets on uh, in that show. Make sure you get onto my website, which is readgoosens.com. Click on the podcast tab and you'll see all the show notes from today's show. You're going to see Devin's uh, contact information and how you get in contact with him to ask him more questions. Thanks again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your real estate investing knowledge because that's what we're all about here on this show, continuing to grow your financial IQ 
so you can go out there and take some massive amounts of action. We're gonna do this all again next week, so take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing.